Welcome to Two Travel Dads Podcast. Here we share our favorite destinations, travel tips, ideas for saving money, and stories from our adventures. Be sure to check out our show notes at twotraveldads.com slash podcast dash episodes. Hey, thanks for joining us for another Two Travel Dads Podcast episode. I'm Rob, and instead of Chris, I have somebody really special to me. She's my work wife. Um, I have Karen from Walking On Travels and DC Travel Mag. I wanted to give you just a quick minute to talk a little bit about DC Travel Mag and what you're doing with that. Because, um, I mean, clearly you've got the knowledge to share with people about visiting the area. So tell me a little bit about the new site, uh, what you're doing with it, what you're sharing, all that stuff. So DC Travel Mag came out of this need to help people who are coming into the city figure out all those logistics and figure, like kind of get away from the noise. We have a lot of local publications here that speak to the residents. And I wanted to speak to the person that's coming in, whether you're coming in for the day, whether you're coming in for the weekend, or you're even flying from overseas to hang out. So we're going to cover a lot of the logistics, you know, how to get from DC to Baltimore in 19 different ways, but also where is the good coffee? What restaurants are near the National Mall, which is actually, as you and I found, is a hard thing to figure out without oh my having gosh. To walk really far. <laughs> uh, and you know, really just diving into DC from a local's perspective, but understanding how people coming in, what kind of time restraints they have, and what kind of activities they really want to be doing. So eventually we'll be covering from Baltimore to Richmond and then Shenandoah over to the coast. Cool. Awesome. Good big goals. Yes. Woohoo. We're going to be chatting. What are we talking about? We are going to talk about all things spring in Washington, D.C. and why you've got to get over here and hang out with me. <laughs> yes, exactly. So D.C. is one of our favorite cities here in the U.S. In spring, it's super special because it's got cherry blossoms. I'm sure... Gosh, I feel like there's tons of events that I'm just not aware of. Um, we're actually going, I don't know if you knew this, we're going to be there in your neck of the woods. We're going to Baltimore in two weeks. I love Baltimore. But I don't think it'll be cherry blossom season yet. No, it definitely won't. We are still cold and rainy here. Yeah. Oh, well. Such is life. We're going to see Celine Dion. It'll be fun. <laughs> Anyways. How about that? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's let's dish about DC in the spring. So I think the the thing that I want to hear about, and I think most people are going to want to hear about, is cherry blossoms and kind of what that's like, where you can see them best, what sort of stuff around the tidal basin people can plan out. Um, so let's start there, and then we can talk about some other DC things. So yes, fire away, so cherry blossoms. Tell me about it. Cherry Blossoms. Um, it is a huge event across the DC metro area. It's not just in the city. There's also Cherry Blossoms all the way up to Frederick and um, down in Richmond and in Baltimore. Everybody kind of centers around the Tidal Basin uh, because that is where there is the most trees and that is where, you know, the Japanese had given us to plant them and honor of our friendship and everything. I did not um, know that that's why we have all of those cherry blossom or cherry yes. trees all around the basin. Yes. Um, they were specifically during one president. I can't remember which one right now. I'm trying to look it up real fast. And you know, I can uh, always Google things and add them to the show notes. That is true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so there's like thousands of cherry blossoms around the Tidal Basin, which is right near the Jefferson Memorial. So a lot of times everybody will just congregate there. There are also cherry blossoms on the National Mall by the Washington Monument. There's a whole neighborhood called Kenilworth up in Bethesda, Maryland. Is that, that Kenilworth? Kenilworth. Like it's worth dog kennels? 
Yes. Oh, okay. I believe, I'm like, now I need to double check that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, it's Kenworth neighborhood. Ken okay, I was going to say Kenilworth. That's so interesting. Yeah. So it's Kenworth, like the truck. Kenworth neighborhood in Bethesda, Maryland. And then Arlington National Cemetery also has a ton and the National Arboretum. But let's talk about the Tidal Basin because that is where most people are going to hit first. Do you feel so like I, the Tidal Basin is that it becomes kind of like a crowd control problem? Just thinking about that before we dig too much into it. <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit of a crowd control issue, especially on the weekends, which is why I tell everybody to either go at sunrise or sunset Ooh. or during the week. Okay. Um, and you'll see locals there too. They'll be, they'll stop with their coffee in the morning on the way to work or on the way back. They'll walk a little part of the tidal basin, which also goes by the MLK Memorial and the FDR Memorial. I love so the FDR a, Memorial. Yes. Oh, it's dog beautiful. with a human face on it. <laughs> so a lot of people just center around the Jefferson Memorial, but the tidal basin's huge. So you can still get away from the crowds if you want. Cool. So would you say... I'm just kind of thinking about how DC is laid out. Um, is there anything over on the Virginia side of the tidal basin, or is because I know Arlington is just right across the way, and you mentioned Arlington has some good cherry blossoms. Yeah, Arlington there. National Cemetery does. Alexandria has a few, um, but yeah, you're basically going to get most of them in DC is where they are known, at least. Okay, cool. So that is good to know. I'm just kind of as we're chatting, I'm kind of making a little travel plan for. What a cool little cherry blossom road trip might be like. Oh, a cherry blossom road trip would be amazing. And we're going to have something like that up on DC Travel Mag really soon. Ooh. We're I working on it right now. That's so <laughs> exciting. So that's fun. So when we're talking about cherry blossoms, just in case anybody doesn't really know, um, tell us what is cherry blossom? I know what it is. So yes. when somebody says, I'm going to go to DC for the cherry blossoms. I mean, is it is it a festival or is it just um, a natural happening? Fill it is in. both. Um, we actually have the National Cherry Blossom Festival that runs from about mid-March to mid-April with loads of events. There's parades. There's a pink gala. There's like uh, a, a like a fancy formal. Yes, like gala. a fancy formal fundraising gala. There's the kite flying festival. There's all kinds. Yeah, it's really cool. It's on um, right by the Washington Monument, and there's tons of like afternoon teas and special like pop-up bars that happen and all the hotels have different packages, especially the ones around the tidal basin. Uh, the Mandarin Oriental always has a beautiful. That's the best location for everything oh in the tidal basin. It's, oh, it's totally out of the way and obscure, but it's a beautiful hotel and it is. <laughs> it's a stunning hotel and it's really quiet, um, but it's also really close to the wharf, which is a newer built up area of DC with lots of restaurants and entertainment. For cherry blossoms, those are the, you know, little flowers that pop on before all the green leaves take over. And a lot of things people track is when is peak bloom. Peak bloom means that 70% of the flower blossoms are open. That wow. does not mean that's the only day that you can go. The National Park Service does put an estimate out there every once in a while. Mother Nature likes to throw us a quick freeze that kind of throws things off but they usually know when peak bloom week is going to be. Probably about now, uh, the, in the next week or two, they'll be announcing it. And, but you don't wanna just base your time around that one week. There's tons of blossoms still coming beforehand. There's tons of blossoms after. There's also a different variety of cherry blossoms that starts to bloom about two to three weeks after the main cherry blossoms. So mm -hmm. you're always gonna have some kind of flower going. 
And one thing people don't talk about a lot is um, we have a lot of magnolia trees here. I love magnolias. I have yeah. one. I mean, I have one in my front yard and they are bigger than my head. So you want to be looking out for those kind. And then the National Arboretum, right after cherry blossoms, um, probably about a month or two later, the azaleas start coming out. And the National Arboretum has an azalea festival where they're really showing off their huge collection of paths and bushes that are just covered and stunning. So if this is so like if you are thinking, oh gosh, DC, I want to go see the blossoms and doesn't work out for either airfare or your schedule, literally any time in spring, DC I didn't realize that DC was so flower centric. We are very <laughs> flower centric. We like our and I think that's a thing that people don't think about is they think we're more of a concrete jungle like New York City, but we have a ton of green spaces, which I really loved coming from Seattle. I was really worried about, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna have, you know, a green tree again. But Everywhere you look, people have flower boxes, there's parks, there's, you know, all kinds of spaces for you to hang out on besides the National Mall. We have Rock Creek Park with tons of hiking trails. People actually get lost in Rock Creek Park and it's in the middle of DC. And That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not all perfectly manicured like you do see in Central Park more. It is more wildernessy, but there are, you know, different little rec centers and golf courses in there as well because it is so huge. That's awesome. So when you say Rock Creek Park, sorry, I didn't pull up a map, but is that the same as the parkway that I'm thinking of? The George no. Washington Parkway? Yeah, no. No, that's a different park. Yeah, that's on the Virginia side. Yeah, that's got like Turkey Run, and then there's Great yeah. Falls, which is... I uh, love I Great Falls. Too, yeah, and so there's Great Falls National Park. We have tons of national parks that you can just drive to really easily, and nobody remembers that Shenandoah is only like an hour, hour and a half from D.C., so you could even day trip, do some hiking, come back into the city, see some cherry blossoms, and really make an itinerary that's very spring-centric, mm -hmm. but also really fun. Well, gosh, you know what? We should also record something um, in the summer about fall colors, since oh. you brought up Shenandoah. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Because pretty, right? Well, and also in May, I know we want to talk about other festivals that we have. We have something called Passport DC and the EU Open House which is the only place in the country that you can go into embassies mm -hmm. and consulates and every once in a while an ambassador's house, depending on who you know. Um, Fancy. <laughs> but there's two separate weekends. It's the first weekend in May and the second weekend in May. They're mm -hmm. two different events where the embassies are opening their, basically their doors and their homes to anybody who wants to come. And they have lots of food and drinks and different um presentations and dance performances, oh. kung fu. It's a really great educational experience for kids. Are these ticketed events? They are not. They are free. That's awesome. From about 10 to 4, the embassies are open. Um, the first day is more, much more global. And then the next Saturday is just European Union. Huh. That's super cool. I've never heard of that. And I've been to DC in many different months and never come across that. <laughs> yeah, it's a really unique event that you're not going to get anywhere else in the country. That's really cool. Really and exciting. is that, so I feel like the embassies are all kind of in one area. Is that like, is that up in the DuPont Circle area where all the embassies? So there's a bunch in the DuPont Circle area, kind of going, they call it like Embassy Row. And then there's a bunch of Georgia and there's another street that they kind of center around. And you can go to Passport DC and they'll have a whole app and a map so you can see where you want to go. The bigger embassies, like the British Embassy and the Irish Embassy, always have longer lines, but there are smaller embassies that you can go in, like you can just walk straight into and not even worry about crowds. That's super cool. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to do it. 
Yeah, I'm thinking, gosh, what are we doing in May? But I think our May is booked up. Dagnabbit. Well, it is my birthday, so we Well, let me hop on a plane just for that. And you should. I'm going to be 40. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know, the big one. Uh, well, cool. So that, that gets us into May. And that's also when flowers, I feel like, are kind of pooping out and it's turning into summer. Um, when do you guys actually start summer in D.C.? Then we, I don't know, April. Oh, really? oh. April, May. By May to October, the humidity hits. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't have the flowers. We get gorgeous tropical flowers and just all the summer blooms that start popping up. Yeah. It's not as much of a festival. We start to really focus on 4th of July. Um, by June, I think people start planning. <laughs> I just found a friend's rooftop, uh, apartment rooftop, that I'm going to be hanging out on to watch the fireworks this year. Oh, sweet. I'm really excited. Cool. That's the key to 4th of July in D.C. Know somebody. I just, I can't even imagine. I feel like I would be overwhelmed and not. (laughs) It's too many crowds for me. I'm like, no, I'm just going to hang out, barbecue, let the kids swim in the pool and watch the fireworks from here. Good times. Well, so I think we've covered then all of the flower stuff. um, But I also wanted to hit on what you think are kind of the, if you're going to be coming to D.C. for either for Cherry Blossom Festival or just in spring in general, some other of the kind of best attractions or museums. Um, and since we're still talking about flowers and stuff, what's your favorite of the different Smithsonian's and attractions along the mall? Do you wanna talk about that real quick? My very favorite with your boys now is the US Botanic Garden. Just I love any it. time of year, if I'm feeling down or like it's really cold and rainy today, I can go into this stunning greenhouse and just feel that tropical heat again, see some flowers, remind myself that winter will not last forever. Um, but even in, in the summertime, there's also outdoor gardens that you can see and you know, wander around, you can let the kids run. Right now there's this really cool um, organic sculpture that's up. And when I say organic, I mean like it's made of twigs and vines and stuff. And the kids are just running all over and climbing it and nobody cares. And that's at the Botanic Garden or um, just at on the, the Botanic Garden? Yeah, if you're looking at it, it's like just to the right in one of the outdoor garden areas. Oh, my cool. kids loved it. And you're see- I'm seeing so many really cool photos pop up on Instagram from like different perspectives of this. Interesting. Uh, Do you know, does it have a special hashtag? I'm sure it does. I'll I research it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll research I'll it. We'll it figure that out because now I'm really yeah. curious. Yeah. But they always have also at the Botanic Garden, they always have little tables set up so people can go and have their lunch. And it's right next to the US Capitol. So if you've done the Capitol tour or you're going to do it, it's a really easy thing to just kind of pop in and take a look. And they also have all these really cool miniature uh, US build, uh, US Capitol buildings made out of natural elements as well. So you can Oh, see we it. saw those when we were there, just there with you. Yes, we did. We saw like the Washington Monument. They just did um, the new African American History Museum. They just added that in, which is oh, cool. really just this cool modern element to add to it. That's nifty. Yeah, no, I forgot how cool those were. I took lots of pictures of them. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, um, well, and that's also kind of a great transition. I feel like another one of the best things to do, like DC year round, is the Capitol tour. Um, so I know that when we went together, was that your first time in the Capitol? It was my first time in Capitol. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so the Capitol building is right there next to the U.S. Botanic Garden. What are your thoughts on that with kids? I know my kids loved it. Have you done it with your kids yet? I have not done the U.S. Capitol tour with my kids, but I think there are so many different kinds of tours that you can jump on at the Capitol, which I didn't even realize. And the length is usually about an hour. I think my kids who are seven and 10 now would even find it interesting 
And I really liked our guide that we had the day that uh, you and I went. He was awesome, especially with my kids. <laughs> he was hilarious. He answers all the questions. And I feel like when you can get a guide like that, that doesn't mind the kids like raising their hand or going, excuse me, I have a question. Um, you know, you're doing okay. And everybody yeah. in the group appreciates it. Yeah. And you know, he also was very apolitical. Yes. Like, I mean, I would have enjoyed him getting political, but <laughs> he was very apolitical, which I think makes it great for anybody who is actually going to be visiting DC. So. I do wonder if they kind of have to take that neutral oh, line. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure. Because they're cool guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. All right. So we covered, um, in addition to doing all the cherry blossom stuff, we covered the U.S. Botanic Garden, uh, doing the Capitol tour, whichever one suits you. Uh, what are like maybe three or four other things that you think are kind of like key Washington, D.C., either with kids or without key Washington, D.C., sites or activities and you don't have to stick to them all like what around the city do you think is like a must do well on the mall you can't miss the air and space museum it is under renovation right now but it is still open which is really important to note because you're going to be like oh my gosh it's a construction zone no they're just updating a lot of the internal workings that haven't been updated since the 60s so we're very excited about that well, um, i think that's a, probably a good safety idea huh yes yeah <laughs> you know it's like it's not quite knob and tube but it's pretty, it needed a little refresh. Yeah. Um, but, and if you don't want to deal with construction zone, you can always go out to the secondary air and space museum out by Dallas airport, which is a massive hangar with like the Concorde and the space shuttle and everything, which we Wait, just- You're not talking about Udvar, are you? Yeah. Oh, we totally went out to Udvar. It was amazing. Yes. We just oh my told gosh. my seven year old that it exists. We've been holding on to it because oh. <laughs> we need, he wants to only go to the Air and Space Museum downtown, and we're like, no, 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 there's a second one. We'll, we'll take you there now, kid. Yeah, um, we loved that. I know it's kind of like going off topic, but the Udvar Hazy uh, Smithsonian is really incredible. And the space shuttle, you can get wonderfully close to it, like you can with most other things. And I really loved their um, collection of just really weird old, like German World War II planes and stuff, too. Yeah. Some no, not just U.S. Collection. stuff. No, yeah. no, it's all over the place. Um, another one on the mall we usually head to is uh, the Natural History Museum, mm -hmm. which finally reopened their dinosaur exhibit. And it's really cool. I love the dinosaur dioramas. Yes, <laughs> they were. They're very lifelike and um, sometimes a little carnivorous against each other. Yeah, I think there was some fake blood going on. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I always like to go see big diamonds and jewels in their gem collection. That is actually my favorite. And, like, that's going to be, like, our first thing that we do in any sort of natural history museum is find the gemology or the mineral section. Well, the mineral section here just keeps, it could be its own museum. It oh just gosh. keeps going. I would love that. Yeah. I mean, maybe one day. Who knows? Hmm. Um, but another thing you really want to make sure you do in the city is you want to, like you said, get off the mall. Uh, there's a lot of really cool neighborhoods like Georgetown. I was actually just at breakfast um, right near Howard University. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really good food and really good locally owned coffee shops as well. We have a couple local chains, but then we have a couple, you know, just mom and pops. We have a lot owned by Ethiopian refugees and immigrants that are really sharing their own culture with you when you come. Like actually like, uh, like coffee ceremony culture? Yes. Ooh. So, and you know, we just, 
Washington DC is such an amazing melting pot that you can pretty much find any kind of food you're looking for. I was hiking in Palestine and my hiking guide was like, oh, you have to go to mama's whatever's um, to go have Palestinian food when you get home. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, that's where we go eat when we come to DC. And I just, I couldn't even that's believe awesome. it. That's awesome, especially for being such a um, politically charged place that there's yeah. so many immigrants, refugees that are actually like really thriving and making cool cultural contributions in DC. Absolutely. And I think that brings up an interesting point is because we are so politics centric that people only think that's all we ever talk about. When most people, especially people in politics, don't want to talk about politics when they get out of work. So there's a lot of like arts that's been uh, growing over the past couple of years. The food scene changed when Obama came into office to like, it used to be a lot of just like steak and old French food. And it's really been revitalized, which has brought a lot more young people to the city, which is awesome because all you really think about is like suits and dresses. And, you know, now we're getting like some funky fashion and some really cool boutique shops. And it's just, you know, a really thriving, you know, constantly changing city, which is really interesting. Do you feel like, so, I mean, if Chris was doing this interview with you, he would only be asking you about food because that's his thing. Do you feel like going off of the mall and like getting into like neighborhoods with cool restaurants, are there any like one or two spots that you think are truly like iconic for DC neighborhoods? Like I, I think of like in Seattle, we've got a couple like, kind of like mom and pop shops that um, like you might not think to go to, but are Seattle icons like Glow's Cafe. Do you know Glow's? I don't know Glow's. Oh my gosh. Glow's. Next time you come here, we'll go. It's kind of like, yeah, it's on Capitol Hill. Anyways, but are there anything like that that really jumps out to you is like super iconic restaurants in DC? Um, everybody knows the Le Diplomat, which is French inspired. It's where you can get an amazing burger, but they also have vegetarian options for you. Thank goodness. <laughs> But I mean, if you open up a copy of Washingtonian's Restaurant Guide, which is our local city magazine, like Les Diplomats, like top brunch, top burger, top French, top steaks, top whatever, which is great. It's good food. Um, it's a Stephen Starr restaurant, which um, I'm originally from Philadelphia and he's kind of a big restaurateur. So this was one of his, he has two in the city right now. Um, two of his lunches that is doing phenomenally. But we also have like Jose Andre restaurants so yeah, I mean, we definitely have our known chefs, but I think it's those little tiny spots, like ramen's having this awesome resurgence. I mean, it's kind of, I feel like across the country, I'm seeing more ramen. Oh my gosh, but, so much ramen in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> I love it. DC, like we finally found one near our house in one of the suburbs that even the kids love. And, Sweet. You know, you can always get sushi. Bottomless brunch is a really big thing here. I don't understand. What is so that? you basically pay a flat rate. So like there's a Mexican place called El Centro. There's one in Georgetown. There's a couple others where you pay $35. Um, it might have gone up since then. And you get bottomless mimosas and all you can eat, you know, tacos and stuff from the menu. I'm into this. Yes. There's another <laughs> place that you can, my uh, stylist loves it, where you can get a lobster and a beer for 25 bucks. Like okay. that's the brunch. <laughs> <laughs> and there's even other like you know a lot of times there's like drinks for a penny on sunday morning kind of thing from their brunch menu and it, yeah it just really seems to be one of those things and i remember having to cut my waitress off at a bottomless brunch and she was scandalized 
And I'm like, well, I, I know how to handle my liquor and it's 1130 in the morning. I'm not going to get hammered. But apparently that's also what the 20-somethings like to do. Okay, good times. I don't have that energy. Good for them. No, me either. Well, the nice thing is if you don't want to go bottomless, you can also do basically all you can eat brunch. It's usually like 10 bucks less or something. Yeah, I've, not living in a city directly, this is a very new concept to me. It's a very, I, was it new for me when we moved to DC? I mean, I like it. But... I do too. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why not go have a three hour brunch? <laughs> no, I get dying. And then Uber home. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to maybe hit on two more must do DC spots that are off the mall. Um, I've got one in mind and then I want you to pick one too. No, what's yours? Mine is the National Portrait Gallery. I love the portrait gallery. It So I love the National Gallery, um, but the National Portrait Gallery is my favorite art museum in D.C., hands down, from the presidential portrait collection to a bunch of the first ladies. Their African-American art is incredible. There's so much. There's some really cool murals, and they just did the whole big reno, and now there's a big cafe. Love it. So uh. it's my it's like my top pick, and it's right by Ford's Theater. So I was say, it's in such a fun combo. area too. So you can easily find food right there and mm -hmm. you can do a bunch of different activities. We were just by there. They have a big holiday market at Christmas time right in front of the portrait gallery. Oh, really? Yeah. Because right, they so, kind of have that plaza on the street there. Yep. So they take that over and they change out all the vendors uh, throughout the season so that you're always getting different artists, which is really great. Anytime people can highlight different artists, I'm really happy about that. Oh, that's awesome. So then that was my must do pick. What's yours? Oh my goodness. I haven't even scratched the surface, I feel like, of what- Like you have two hours in DC and you want to do something that people haven't done every single time. Where are you going to take them and say, oh my gosh, guys, come on. We're just, we're going here. We're going here. Where are you going? Oh, I would go hang out in Georgetown and mural hop. <laughs> oh, I was not expecting that. Yeah. So I, I love being outside. So if it's a nice day, we're just going to kind of wander around. And Georgetown does get a lot of travelers, but- as soon as you get off M Street, which is the main drive through town, there's, you can go down to the harbor. You can, you know, walk along and see all these, you know, public sculptures that are there, very similar to the Olympic Sculpture Garden in mm -hmm. Seattle. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of just, you know, kind of sculptures along this running trail. And, you know, you can pick up your coffee, you can pick up your Georgetown uh, cupcake, which is a big iconic thing here. Not as good as Cupcake Royale, not gonna lie. Which is not as good as trophy cupcakes. And um, we're gonna have to have a whole different oh my gosh. About that. Come visit and we'll have a cupcake off. Yeah, lavender vanilla, it's all about it. Mm. Okay, let's move um, back to Georgetown, come on. Yes, back to Georgetown, but Georgetown <laughs> also has a ton of history. I remember my husband going uh, through Georgetown the first time and he was like, oh, well that mansion's like broken up into apartments. No, it's not. That's a like $10 million house right there that somebody has kept going. Uh, or it's a lady's foundation of something or other. Uh, they have one of the original houses that were built in Georgetown. So there's just a lot of different ways to kind of get some really good food, hang out outside in nature, um, especially down by the waterfront in the wintertime, they have a ice skating rink, which is really fun. Oh, cool. So there's just a lot of ways for families to kind of be together and explore and, but not have to be stuck inside, which a lot of people think they have to do in DC because yeah. of all the museums. I mean, it's so easy because of all the museums. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, cool. That's awesome. I think we've got a really good itinerary. Would you, I feel like everything we've talked about can probably be like two days worth of playing tourist in DC. Would you agree? You can, but I would say you're not going to hit every single museum in two days. 
I know. So well, don't but, walk in. but you know what though? You were impressed by what I was able to do with the kids on our one day. Yes, I was very impressed, but I feel like you could have spent the whole day at just one museum. And I know, we totally could have. <laughs> zooming through, yeah. <laughs> which is why it's great to live here, because I have been to the Air and Space Museum more times than I can count right now, because my kids love it, and the Natural History Museum. So. Oh, I love the Natural History Museum. Well, cool, awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for chatting. I really enjoy having podcast time with you, and I think we should do that again. I think we should too. I enjoyed podcast time. <laughs> right? So um, if you forgot who I'm talking to, this is Karen from Walking on Travels and DC Travel Mag. Um, go ahead, give her a follow all across the board on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks, you know, all that stuff. And um, I assume she has a newsletter with amazing yeah. tips. Our newsletters, we actually have our cherry blossom guide going up that you can sign up for. <gasps> That's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting with me. And, um, yeah, give us a subscribe over on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It is called Two Travel Dads Podcasts, and we'll have show notes up on the site as well. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Two Travel Dads Podcast is written by Rob and Chris Taylor and produced by Rob Taylor in Suquamish, Washington. If you would like to be on Two Travel Dads Podcast or sponsor it, please visit us at twotraveldads.com slash work.